really excited about who we have, the guests that we have here with us this morning. But I'm also really excited about what God's doing in, in the lives of John and, Johnny and Heather Underwood. And, I mean, their journey they've been going on, and, I mean, it started way before we've known them, but uh, to be privileged to, to get to share in what's going on in their lives and, and seeing their passion for people, their passion for the kingdom, their passion for Jesus is exciting. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that fires Lisa and I up, and, and that's what this church is full of, people who are passionate about his kingdom. And so I've heard bits and pieces of, of the testimony of our guests, and I'm not going to give any of it away, and I'm excited that they're here so I can hear more of it. Um, but before I, uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask Johnny and Heather to come on up so they can, they can introduce their guests. And how many of you guys appreciate Johnny and Heather? Well, thank you. Well, CJ is exactly right. I, I think of, uh, I was in and out of the football game yesterday, and I thought, you know, I don't really get excited about football or sports, but I do get excited. I know you do, and I think that's amazing, and I'm excited for all that do, but I do get excited about God doing marvelous and incredible healing work. So I was even just, as I'm sitting over here, I'm thinking, I do like golf, but I think, you know, as I've played with some guys with golf, I go, I really love the fellowship of getting to interact with guys and be able to talk about the Lord during golf. It's just that's my passion. So I'm excited. I am so excited this morning for our guest, uh, our co-laborers that we get to partner with. Um, God's used them mightily in our lives. Uh, as I shared last week, really, I mean, God's hands to save our marriage. So uh, I am super excited about what God wants to do in our body here today. And that this, I believe that our church is just a hub of what he wants to do throughout Stillwater and beyond. So... I'm going to try not to cry. <laughs> I'm already tearing up, but it means so much to have Lee and Shay here. Um, sorry. <laughs> they have really been such instruments of healing in our marriage, in our lives. And I believe that that's what God wants for every single person that's here, every single person that comes tonight. There's a meeting at 6 tonight um, for both women and men, one for ladies tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, and one for men Tuesday night at 6 o'clock. And I just encourage you, even if you think, this isn't for me, maybe I'm not married yet, I don't have a sexual relationship yet, or I'm out of that phase of my life, or whatever the excuses that comes up, I just want to tell you, God created us, and part of us is our sexuality. That's part of his plan for us. And he wants to heal the broken and hurt places that are within us, whether it has to do with your sexuality or it has to do with something else, you know. I was reading as we were, I was actually just watching the beauty of the young ladies jumping and, and dancing, and I love that freedom, and I, it brought to mind the scripture in Malachi that talks about the sun will rise with healing in his wings, and you'll go forth like calves jumping and dancing, and I just think, God, there's so much in freedom that he wants to do in the area of healing us. And when we get healed, that's when that freedom is really released. So don't look at this as just one more set of meetings to come to. Look at this as I really believe this is the momentum that God is building in this church through the backlands, you know, defeating lies that Satan's spoken over you in your life, through the women's conference coming out of the ashes. And this is just one more step in that momentum that God is taking this church and this community into. So I celebrate that, and we want to welcome Lee and Shay. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm going to scoot this back a little bit. Um, 
I don't know if Shay's coming up or if she's just going to say hi. She's a hi and bye kind of girl, so she's going to say hi and bye. Well, we're, we're thrilled to be here. I, I just want to offer to you that as I was sitting over there, I already... Let's go back a little further so I can see everybody. Um, it already feels like family here. So I'm just uh, letting you know you all give off a great feeling of love and acceptance and family we come from Texas. We're down near Canyon Lake. Does anybody know where Canyon Lake is? Near New Braunfels. Uh, if you know where New Braunfels is, we're not, not too far from there. Um, we are thrilled to be here. We're actually very thrilled to be able to partner here in Stillwater with Heather and Johnny. Um, our ministry was kind of bor- born out of our own brokenness. And I want to offer to you, before you get too afraid, oh, what are we going to be talking about today, that, um, you know, we believe in healing, period. So we're going to talk a little bit about where our healing came from, but it may not, it may not be the only healing that God wants to do here this week, because he loves to heal, you know? Um, I think what's one of the more beautiful things, as we were singing with the great worship songs and the, and the leadership here was that our freedom has already been bought, right? So our freedom has already been bought and paid for. But I don't know about you all, but when I was, was in the midst of my sin, even starting as a very young kid, leaving church at either 10 or 12 or 13, sometimes I'd be walking out going, what's wrong with me? How come I haven't found what they seem to have? What's wrong with me that I can't figure out to be free. I can't find freedom. I had been saved at eight years old, but I could not figure out why Jesus didn't want to set me free. Now, what I began to find, and I'll share that with you this morning, is that there are some things that keep us from living in our freedom. You see, you can be free and not be living in the identity of freedom that God has for you. So that's what we want to talk a little bit about. So I'm going to pray first, and then we're going to jump in. So, Father God, we want to come against any shame. We want to come against any walls. We want to come against any fear. Father, today is not about those things. Today is about linking arms with the folks next to you and saying, you know what, we're in this together. We live in a world of fallenness. We live in a world of brokenness. And Lord Jesus, without you, we really have nothing else. And so I thank you, Father, for helping those around in this building as well as in this city, as well as in this this community, to begin to find what you have for them. Because we came to know the abundant life, to live life and know it abundantly. And Father, sometimes in our brokenness, we cannot find pure and holy abundance. We find something less than. So while we want to live free, Father, sometimes we don't know how to quite get there completely. So we need you today. We ask you to anoint whatever words you want to speak over this group. May they not be mine, but may they be yours. May you help each heart here to not close towards the things you might have for them to see. May you open their hearts to the things that may cause them discomfort. 
Because, Father, sometimes in the darkened, less easy places to get to is where you show us our deepest hurt. And if we don't go there, we can't see it, and therefore we can't find the freedom that you have for us in that place. So may you take us to the crags and the crevices of our heart this morning and help us to see the things you want us to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Shadow of His Wings ministry was born, like I said, out of our brokenness. Shay and I both came out of homosexuality. I know, that's not a great place to start, right? But it is where we started, unfortunately. And I want to put that out there right now, that if you decide to come up for healing at some point or prayer at some point, I promise we're not all going to think you're homosexual, okay? I just promise that up front. So you don't have to worry about it. You can be okay with knowing that this is a healing event. Just because they've been there doesn't mean I have to be afraid of that. Because that's usually what we're most afraid of, right? Is what is that person next to us going to think of us? What is that person next to us going to wonder if I go down and ask for help? Now, homosexuality is not the focus of our, 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 our place this morning. It's not the focus of our healing place, but it is where God brought us out of healing. Shay was in a relationship for 20 years with a woman, and I struggled till for almost 20 years in and out of relationship myself. Now, this morning is also not about, but I always like to say this, it's also not about trying to determine what you believe about whether homosexuality is still a sin or whether it's God's best or whether it's you people are born that way. I will tell you that I will never leave a place without telling you what I believe is absolute truth, which is homosexuality is a sin, always will be. It's a broken place. And you should know the truth, and the truth should set you free, and that you can find freedom in any place. Now, I came from homosexuality, and I speak of it because... It is one of the things that we struggle with in our community right now, believing whether it's really a sin or whether it's really God's ordained biology. Now, that's broken, in my opinion. And I'm so thankful that I don't grow up in it, and I didn't grow up in a time where I even had to struggle with that because there was, that lie was not perpetuated yet when I was a kid. So I still wondered what, what was happening to me. I wasn't accepting what it was. So, just to throw that out there, I want to get that out of the way. I don't believe it's a biology. I think it's a sin. And you should know the truth, and the truth should set you free. I'm going to probably say that several times, because if you don't know the truth in any place in your life, if you don't know the truth, then you may not have found complete freedom. Any place. Have you ever walked out of a sermon and gone home and done something that you thought, this is still in my, in my brokenness? This is still my bondage. Whether you had an argument, whether you lost your temper, whether you gossiped about somebody, whether you, like me, had too many tacos, you know? I mean, whatever our bondage is, whatever your bondage is, have you ever left a sermon and thought, wow, I'm living on top of the clouds today. This is so wonderful. The Holy Spirit really moved today. And then you get home and something falls apart. You should know the truth. And the truth should set you free. So there were many times that I would leave a service. I was saved again at eight years old. I found pornography at nine. I found my dad's stash of pornography at nine years old. I know. 
man, I've already opened homosexuality and pornography, and we're not supposed to talk about those things in the church, right? So I honor Pastor CJ and, and Lisa for even having us here because it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a risk. We already know, Shay and I call ourselves the God's biggest misfits because we already know that people would prefer to hear about, you know, knitting booties for babies in another country, right? Or they'd probably rather hear about sending shoeboxes of candy and goodies and shoes to, uh, for, to children in other countries. And please don't think I'm downing that. I think that's a beautiful thing. But what hurts me is when I see people who come to me and say, I don't think I really know Christ because I still do whatever. And I say, well, let's talk. Because that's where I was. I would leave a service at either even nine years old, ten years old after I'd found pornography. And I'd make promises to never do it again. I promised God I'll never do this again. And guess what? Later that afternoon, I was sneaking into my dad's bedroom to grab a stash. That's brokenness. It's sin. And so sometimes we wonder, why do I continue to do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I want to do? Oh, what a sinner I am. But you see, in the process of my life, I began to find that, you know what, I must, it must be that God hates me that he doesn't really want me in his kingdom. Because after you've prayed 1,286 times and he's never come through, you wonder, is he really God? Or he must not really care about me. But I'll tell you, over and over in my life, he began to show me time and time again that, Lee, I haven't given up on you. Don't give up on me. Even when I shook my fist at God a few times and said how much I hated his guts. I did. Those are my exact words with a few expletives in there occasionally. And he never once said, oh, that was too much. You've crossed the line. You don't have a place. Do you know what he said to me? Did you not know I already knew you are mad at me? I mean, he's God, right? So that's the journey, folks, is he already knows you. He knows what you feel in your innermost places. He knows what you struggle with in your innermost places. And yet he loves you still. And yet if you have not found freedom from whatever you're looking for freedom from, then you may have some lies that you still struggle with that you have not found truth in. So please, have hope. Have hope. If he can get through this hard head, he can get through your hard head. He loves us that much to not stop pursuing us and showing us the truth. Now, the problem is, is that sometimes we forget who we are. You know, I don't know if this, do I, do I have slides here today? Do they show up or? It's, you're going to see the same thing if we find it. You should know the truth, and the truth should set you free. But, 
But I want to emphasize there, you should know the truth. Truth is two forms there. Truth is, is not only a person, Jesus. You should know the, the truth. You should know Jesus. And yet it's also an action. You should know the truth. It's also a, an identity about yourself. You should know the truth about yourself. Are you a pervert? Are you a loser? Are you a pornographer? Are you whatever it is? You fill in the blank. Are you that? Or do you need to know the truth? And the truth will set you free. You see, the problem is, is we begin to believe that we are our sin. That's the problem. Is that when we sin, we go, oh, I must be this. Oh, I can't get over this, so that must be what I am. So it's not only about knowing Christ, it's also knowing his view of who you are. See, I could believe that I was a pervert, uh, gay, homosexual, whatever other words you want to use, or I could, I could begin to believe that I'm a son of the king. But when you get stuck in places you don't know how to get out of, children, then you're not going to know who you are. And so you're going to leave thinking, see, here I am again. And I promise you, in every case, I haven't found a case out there yet, in every case, the world is going to want to show you that they have an answer for who you are. And you can either buy that lie and say, this is who I am. Well, pornography is okay. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with bringing pornography into my relationship. There's nothing wrong with whatever you want to call it, you know. Uh, everything that comes around sexual brokenness, compulsive sexual behaviors. Oh, it's perfectly okay, right, to be a, for your 15-year-old son to be in the bathroom a little too long, right? And we just kind of joke that off a little bit. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable. I'm used to speaking in front of folks and... I usually use the words that associate with it, but I'm going to withhold from some of those today because I want... So hopefully you're connecting the dots. Okay? But sexual brokenness comes in all forms. Okay? And, it's, and they're male and females. Male and females struggle in their sexuality. And, and guess what? Unfortunately, Satan found in the beginning of time that if he could mess with our sexuality, then he could break, break into our identity. Because sexuality is a sin against the body. So if he can cause your sexuality to get broken at a very early age, then he can have a good chunk of who you believe yourself to be. And that's whether or not you've been sexually abused or you've looked at pornography, whether you've been, you know, I, I, all of these things are broken. And so you should know the truth, and the truth should set you free. And it's not just sexuality. You know, our communities, our world has made a big effort now on getting into places of understanding about bullying and teasing. But those are great brokennesses as well. But unfortunately, we try to stop it now. But back here, we didn't really know what to do with it. So we just allowed, and we didn't know what to do with it. And so even our own parents, we were... Uh, CJ was speaking of the power of the spoken word. Did you know that even your own parents... How many of you have ever heard this phrase before? 
you better stop that crying or I'm going to give you something to cry about. Okay? Yes. Now, I'm sorry. I'm sure if your parents were sitting here, I'd love them as well. But that's very broken. What that teaches a kid is I just better stop. I just better shut it up. And yet what that does is it prevents the heart from flowing in emotion and in mourning and in grieving. And so things get stopped up. And then you stop knowing how to even let the junk out that got caught inside you. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you think, and please don't raise your hand actually, but (laughs) how many of you think that pornography is fun? Now, I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to think about that on the inside. I don't want you to give the churchy answer of, oh, no, it's a sin. I want you to think about how many of you think it's fun. Because at times, it can be. But let me offer to you the truth about things that can be fun. Things that can be fun are also great counterfeits to God's best. And that kind of counterfeit, folks, will never will never give you the fulfillment and joy of a true relationship. What it gives you is it gives you something false. It gives you a momentary glimpse at something that's not real. So if someone tries to tell you, this is what I'm, I should do, this is okay, I'm not here to condemn you. I've been there. I'm here to tell you Oh, what you don't know. Oh, what you do not know if that's where your hope is. What it really does is it tells you who you're not. It says that, you know what, you can, that Miss October is only as good as Miss November until she comes out. That it's false, it's fake. There is no relationship there. You will never have a true relationship with your beloved, the wife or the husband of your youth. If you still fill your eyes with pornography. Because you know why? Because she, meaning the real, will never compare with the fake. Never. And when you look at something that's not real, when you worship the golden calf, so to speak, you'll never find the truth of who she is, your wife. Or if it's a female looking, you'll never find the true masculine of your male, of your husband, of the man that God's going to give you. Now, I'm not going to stay on that forever. I want us to look at healing. Brokenness causes us to believe who we are is what we do. Truth in Christ says what you do is your brokenness. What you are is my beloved. Now, when I was walking through my healing, eight saved, nine pornography. By 12, I had found compulsive sexual behavior. Couldn't stop it. Didn't dare talk to my parents about it. Parents didn't really understand, didn't talk about sex in our home. All of these things were kind of built up into, our, into my brokenness. 
So I didn't know what to do. By 16, I'd been in a public restroom, not doing anything wrong, but was confronted by somebody who wanted to do something to me, a male. And ultimately went back because he planted in my head by this action that he was doing in front of me. He planted a seed that said, hmm, wonder why he would do that to you. Must be because there's something weird about you. So I went back. And unfortunately, there was the same kind of activity going on there again. And ended up going there almost every day when I would go to work. So I'm at the end of my rope at this point at 16 years old saying, I don't know what else to do. I'm broken. I can't tell anybody. I was also, by this point, third in my class. I was voted most likely to succeed. I went to church every Sunday, Saturday, every Wednesday night, every Tuesday morning. I was a perfect student. Because guess what? You know what, folks? Look around you. Because if you are so afraid of what you look like on the inside, you'll do anything to be perfect on the outside. And then you sometimes grow up in a place where your parents don't know how to handle imperfect. And so they require perfection. And so if you don't portray perfection, then they don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. So you just better be a good soldier and keep pressing. And so what ends up happening is you go to a church and you know you've accepted Christ and you sit in these chairs and you go, I don't understand. Why me? Why did you pick me, God? Which he didn't pick me, but I'm telling you the lies. You should know the truth and the truth should set you free. The lie begins to be, well, there's something wrong with me. There's something bad about me. So at 16, I went to my youth pastor and I said, if I don't tell somebody, I, I'm never going to get out of this. So I went to my youth pastor, 16 years old, sat down, and I just kind of vomited it out on the table, everything I was doing. And he just looked over at me, and he pushed the Bible towards me, and he read 1 Corinthians 6, 9. It says, neither our fornicators nor idolaters will enter the kingdom of heaven. Neither, neither fornicators nor idolaters nor homosexuals will enter the kingdom of heaven. And if you don't start praying, you're going to hell. And I don't know how to help you, but I'll be praying for you. Now, I don't tell you that to condemn him. I tell you that because that was the final nail in the coffin of my life at 16. Because at that point, I'm like, okay, if you don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And God must not know what to do. So that led to years of brokenness, sexual behaviors, tried to get married at some point, got arrested at some point. I'm telling you all of this because at some point, I'm sitting in my sister's living room, and God never stopped pursuing me. This is probably 15 years later from when I was 16. He never stopped pursuing me. He was constantly talking to me. He took me to a men's Bible study at one time in Odessa, Texas. I was living in Odessa, Texas. Anybody know where Odessa, Texas is? It's called the armpit of Texas, you know. <laughs> it's, there are names for it called Odessalate, Slodetha. You know, it's, and, it's a, it's, and I'm just playing because I was there for five years. And I thought, surely in Odessa, Texas, I can't get into any trouble. 
Unfortunately, there's trouble in Odessa, Texas. So I decided to go to this men's Bible study. And I'm sitting there, and this is the first time God really helped me see something. He, this guy looked at me, and I'm just going to throw this out here. He, it was an amazing thing, because everybody else had told me, you're broken, you're going to hell, there's something wrong with you, you don't know what you're doing, if you don't stop, you're going to hell. He was the first person when I vomited on the table. Again, God never let up. He was constantly telling me, do this, keep doing this, keep tell- talking, keep t- going to people, don't stop asking for help. Don't stop asking for help. Don't stop asking for help. So I I didn't stop asking for help. It's scary. So I'm sitting here with all these guys who work in Odessa, Texas, and most of them are oil hands and work in the oil field, and I'm thinking, okay, they're either going to hang me up in the city square or they're going to listen. And I kind of only could muster, hey, I'm broken, I I look at porn, I can't stop doing it, and I have sex with men. That's all I could say. And nobody else really made eye contact with me. You know, the minute you say something that nobody feels very comfortable about, and they all go, (laughs) you know, like, don't look at me. Some of them were looking square in the eye and didn't want to lose eye contact. I'm thinking, they're going to beat me up after this is over. (laughs) But the leader looked at me, and he said one thing. He said, you know, Lee, I don't know the first thing about your brokenness. But if Jesus can love me in my sin, I can love you in your sin. So you keep coming on back here, and we're going to love you through this. And that was the beginning of hearing truth. You see, Jesus will get you the truth one way or the other, but you know what? Sometimes it's harder to hear. And that was the beginning of truth. And the first truth was, really, my sin is not worse than everybody else's? That's right. I mean, you may think it is. You may think your sin is worse than anybody else's, but mine's not. It's sin. It's the condition of sin. It's the brokenness of a human heart. And so after I left there, several year, a couple of years went by, and the next truth I found was sitting in my sister's living room when, in about 1990... I read the prayer of Jabez. Oh, that you would enlarge my territory, that you would expand my tents, that you keep me from harm, that you keep me from harming others, and oh, that you would bless me indeed. Now, I was still broken in this place. I wasn't as broken, but I had gotten mad at God. You see, I tend to get angry when things don't turn out the way I, I, I want them to. I know I'm, not, I'm probably not the only one here that does that, but I would get angry, and so when I get angry, I think, God, you forgot me, and so I go back into sin for a while. So I'd been in it for a little while, and he met me there again. And what his question was again, to this guy who could not hear anything else about his, his, himself except some of these very deep lies, what I heard from God that night was, if you'll do the work, Lee, I will set you free. Exact words. I will enlarge your territories. I will expand your tents. He even reminded me at 16 years old when I'm pulling pornography out of my dad's sock drawer that in that moment he spoke to me and said, someday you're going to help men find freedom from what you do. He brought that to me 10 years later, to almost 12 years later. And I said, really? You want to set me free? He said, yes, but you're going to have to do the work. And I said, but I don't want to hang on for dear life anymore. I'm tired of going to church and then coming home and messing up. 
I'm tired of failing. I'm tired of white knuckling it, so to speak. I don't want to do it anymore. I want freedom. And he said, I promise you freedom if you'll do the work that I have for you. Now, what you begin to realize there is that what I was struggling with was a stronghold. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. Now, I promise you folks, we don't sometimes like to look at this, but there are strongholds even in Christian lives. And if you don't understand that, then you're going to go, oh, either I'm not saved or I'm great. Don't you see? Everything's good. Um, well, then why do you still have struggles in your life? Why do you still seem to be passing brokenness down to your kids? Why do you still struggle in this area, that area? I, well, I don't know. I've done all the work. I, my counselor says I'm a clean bill of health. Right? I don't know how many people have come to us and said, I need, I, they finally get to the place where they want help. And then you go to the place where you see God saying there's still brokenness and they go, oh, no, don't go there because I already did that. My counselor says I'm already done there. I've already been to counseling for that. You know what, folks? I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Texas, and counseling is crap, okay? <laughs> I can say that because counseling was not created by the Son of God. <laughs> counseling was created by man, and so there's a lot of worldly information in counseling, there's a lot of okay things that help. But Jesus Christ himself is the great counselor. He is the great counselor. And that's not churchy. You Hopefully you found out by now I'm not a very churchy guy. I'm saying that because I, I went to counselors. That's why I love Johnny and Heather. You know, they don't put their hope in counseling. They put their hope in healing, just like that's where God led us to them and them to us. Is Their hope is in the healer, not in counseling. Now, I'm, a, I'm, I'm telling you, I have a counseling degree. So in my healing, I kept thinking I'm going to go to counseling, and I never seemed... Yes, I had some, some things taught to me that were good, but healing comes from the Father. And so if you haven't found it yet, you may want to look at why. You may want to say, okay, what do I need to do to figure out why I keep doing what I do? So let's look at it. I love this uh, interaction with Jesus at the woman at the well. If you have your Bible, your phone, whatever you look the Bible up on, you can go to John 4. You know, the woman at the well, I, I just want to offer to you that we can all relate we can all relate. I think I made the print large enough where I don't have to put my glasses on. So let's see. Um, what I love about taking each step, what I heard that night at my sister's house is, I can set you free, but you have to do the work. Okay? So let's start looking at some work. John 4, a woman, a Samaritan, came, in to, draw, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan, for a drink? Because in those days, Jews would not be caught dead talking to Samaritans. This is from the message version. 
Now think about that for a second. Sometimes the only way to your healing is in places you've never gone before. And perhaps to people you wouldn't be caught dead around. You know, sometimes we want to prescribe how we want to be healed. It doesn't work that way. Jesus is the prescription. He prescribes how we are to find our healing. And it may not be in those circles you like to hang out in. It may be somewhere else. It may not be with someone you're comfortable around. I can promise you right now, and I pray, Father, that this goes into good soil, healing is not always comfortable. And truth is rarely comfortable when we're not wanting it. Now, I want to offer that to you. I want you to truth is not always comfortable. You know, have you ever been talking to somebody and they hit a nerve? Has that ever happened to any of you? Like you, you kind of feel yourself getting angry? And I don't mean over who you're voting for in the election. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's, it's somebody else, something else. It's like it, it can be even your closest. It can be your, your spouse. And they're talking to you and all of a sudden you find yourself getting angry and you don't really know why. Sometimes that's because they're touching on truth. You know, the Bible says that they, they enjoyed what their, their ears wanted to hear because they wanted their ears to be tickled. Lies will always tickle. Truth will always set you free, but it may not always be comfortable. Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. Now, what's the opposite of fresh living water? Still water. No, I'm just playing. It's not still water. <laughs> Fresh living water, the opposite, someone said it over here, is stagnant, still water. So that's the truth right there, okay? So that must mean if I'm still struggling with something in my life, there's a place in my life that's not bubbling out with fresh water. It's clogged up. Ecclesiastes says, crying is better than laughter. For tears scour the soul. So when was the last time you had a good cry over your brokenness? Or how many of you were told, oh no, I'm not allowed to cry. Or I just can't seem to cry. And this is men included. You know what? These are men who need to cry as well. And if you think it's weak to cry, there's a lie there. That's foolishness. Because Jesus himself wept. Okay? Now, I'm just offering that to you. You don't have to... It doesn't... It also, again, if you cry, it doesn't make you weak. It's just, where are my beliefs? What have I believed about myself? What are the curses that have been spoken into my life? And if there are things that are clogging up this part of me, this heart-to-head connection... You know, one of the things I used to hate... Does this clock back here mean that I've got seven minutes left? Is that what that is? I'm just me. Oh, no? Okay, so i got an hour left. Is that right? No, I'm just playing. Um, I don't, have you ever heard, you know, the hardest journey in your life that you'll ever face is that 12 inches between your head and your heart? Have you ever heard that before? I hate that stupid saying. You know why? 
Because I could never figure out how do I get it from here to here. People can tell me that, but I'd be like, okay, great. So now tell me. Oh, I don't know how to get it there. That's just the hardest journey. Oh, great. Thank you. (laughs) That's not helping. Tell me. What's here to here? Because I'm a great student. Remember, I'm third in my class. So I can write notes all over the margins, and, and I can flip pages over and write all over the back. And I'd get all that home, and I'd be like, what, what does this mean? It means nothing. Because the truth of God has to be able to flow here. Our heart is his home. And if your heart is still broken and hardened in places... You know, God gave me a vision one time of the heart, and it is a home. And guess what, folks? I can see it in you. There are some of you who have allowed him into the kitchen and maybe part of the living room, but the, the den and the bedrooms are cluttered with your junk. And you keep asking yourself, why don't I live a more abundant life? Why don't I ever have more freedom? Why can't I stop doing whatever I do? And Jesus keeps trying to tell you, let's go look in the bedroom. And you go, oh no, I can't go there. That's where this happened. Or that's what this was all about. The woman said, sir... You don't even have a bucket to draw with. And this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestors who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock and passed it down to us? Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst again, ever the water I give will be an artesian spring within, within gushing fountain, fountains of endless life. You know, I can honestly tell you, in my sexuality, there are artesian springs of endless life. I'm not saying I've overcome, overcome everything. I do still have to work on tacos, I promise you. But I'm not coming to you as a perf- perfect man. I'm coming to you as a man filled with passion, the passion of Christ. He's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to do the journey, to process. Are you willing to walk in the process? Are you willing to say, okay, there are things in my life that I still struggle with. I may put on a good show here, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I promise you that. We all put on a front. Because if, if any of us really knew what we did in our deepest, darkest places or in sometimes in our places of our own mind... We, would know, we wouldn't want that, right? But Jesus says, that's okay. I want you all to know each other that deeply. You know, I've worked with pastors at times. And one pastor came to me one time and he said, you know, I really want our congregation. This is a very large church in the South Texas area. And he said, I really want our church to have pure men. How can I help that happen? And I sat down with him and I said, you know what, let's try something. I said, you know, uh, Shay and I run a little retreat center called the Agape Dome out near Canyon Lake. And and I said, why don't you get your staff? There was about 10 or 12 on staff. And I said, why don't you get your staff to come and we'll do a, a day of sexual purity. I want you all to sit down and we'll talk about your sexual histories. When did you first 
become aroused? When did you first look? Was there ever porn in your life? Did you ever uh, compulsively perform sexual behaviors, self-behaviors? Any of those things? We'll just sit down and we'll talk. He turned absolutely pale. And he said, that's never going to happen. He said, you don't understand. We don't trust each other enough to share that information. And brothers and sisters, if we don't share that information with one another, we'll never share it in truth. Because there's nothing wrong with this struggle, whatever it is. It doesn't take away the mantle that God's put on a pastor. It doesn't take away the mantle that God's put on you as a parishioner, as, as your gifts. It doesn't take away the mantle. Our brokenness, Jesus had to die for that, right? So if he's already died for it, why can't we talk about it? If it's already covered in the blood, why can't we say, hey, for some reason this is still my struggle, whatever it is. It's because there's shame wrapped around it. You see, there's another place that keeps the water from bubbling up, right, is shame. Because you're afraid to tell someone what you really struggle with. You're afraid, and that's anything, whatever it is. Because we're afraid that we have to look perfect. If it's like, if I can look perfect, then I must be saved. If I look, if I, if I look broken, then I must not be saved. And I promise you, I can only tell you what Jesus told me about my life being saved at eight years old. I used to, I mean, I was the kid, 10, 12, 16, 22, 26, coming down to the altar every single Sunday. I need to get saved again. I need to rededicate my life. Please rededicate my life. I need to be saved again. Something's happening. It's not happening. It's not working. Please save me again. Please rededicate my life. And I was praying one night, and Jesus said, It's nothing to do with your salvation. It has everything to do with your identity. You can be saved and know his freedom, but you can't, you can't know your identity in Christ until you know your freedom. See, you can know his, what he's done. He saved me. I'm saved. You got that. Check it off the box. Don't go back to it. But if you still struggle with things, then you might have to look at what do I not know about the identity of my freedom? Because you know what? I'm still a homosexual. No, you're not. I'm still a pornographer. No, you're not. You're still a pervert. No, I'm not. You're still a gossiper. No, I'm not. You're still a, a, a sexually broken person because either you've been sexually abused or whatever has happened. I'm still this. I'm still shameful. No, you're not. But if you can't find those truths, then you can never find freedom. You know, the freedom of Christ is what we're looking for. We may have his salvation, but don't you want to live in freedom? That's where abundance comes from. Now, let's look at this next place. The woman said, sir, give me, the, give me this water so I won't have, ever get thirsty. Won't ever have to come back to this well again. Now, this is where it gets interesting, in my opinion. I think this is amazing. Then go call your husband and come back. Now, what the, what the heck's he having to ask that question for? That's the one question I really didn't want you to ask, Lord. Right? 
But why does he, the Son of God, the King of kings, the, the absolute creator of the world, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, why does he decide in that moment to look this woman in the eye and say, then go get your husband and come back? Because there's the moment of truth, ladies and gentlemen. There's the moment of her shame and there's the moment of her brokenness. Because he knew in his heart, which is absolutely pure, absolutely holy, absolutely living with an artesian spring in it, connected to God, he was able to immediately assess this woman is still living in her shame. I mean, come on. If somebody asks you that kind of question, you'd squirm in your seat and dart out the back door. And I'd have people, I've had people do that. I've had people storm out of our office, slam the door, and come back later and say, okay, maybe I need to talk about that. Well, why'd you get so mad? Because you know what? Nobody's supposed to know about that. It hurts. It hurts for you to know how broken I am. Because look at it. It's dripping with shame. You know what? I, I look at pornography. Okay, so let's talk about it. Well, you know what? I can't stop having affairs. Can't stop sleeping with prostitutes. Can't stop masturbating. Whatever those words that you don't like to hear are, you're afraid of it. It's scary. I can't look at my parent because I'm supposed to just hold them in this area of honor. But yet my dad used to beat me as a child. Or my mother called me horrible names. And I've been told I'm just supposed to forgive and get over that. Okay, you can try that. It's not going to work. Never has. You know, we are very quick to jump to forgiveness in church. But we're not so great at dealing with the grief. I understand it's cool to forgive. Because what does it do? It allows this water to free up again, to start to flow. But you know what? If somebody has sexually abused you, if someone has slapped you across the face, if somebody has called you stupid when you're not stupid, if somebody has told you that you're not worth anything, if somebody has left you, if somebody has abandoned you, if somebody has told you you're not worth me even being around you, and I run to you and I say, you just have to forgive, then I'm going to hurt you all the more. What I haven't done is said, you know what? I want to walk with you through that. I want to walk with you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry your daddy left. Well, it's okay. I don't need a dad. My mom was my mom and dad. Okay, beautiful. But that's not truth. You did need, you did need a dad. And so you may feel it less but guess what, folks? I call that sewer in the basement. You got junk down there that you don't really like to look at, 
So you hang a bunch of air fresheners around that door and you just, I can't, yeah, I smell, oh no, I don't know what that smell is. We got to get more air fresheners. And yet if you don't go down into the basement and look at your junk, then you're going to forever live in it. If we don't deal with our past, we're going to be destined to repeat them. And so then guess what happens? If you really look at that pain, yes, my daddy left. You know, yes, my mom, she worked so much I hardly ever saw her. Yes, I was made fun of as a kid. Whatever words come to your heart, then you walk through that grief, and it's hard. It hurts because you're peeling back old wounds. And guess what forms in old wounds? A bunch of pussy mess. There's a lot of brokenness in there, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of rejection, and that's where the demonic love to dwell. Now, we don't like to look at that because guess what? We just want deliverance. So just deliver me, and I'll be fine. Well, I'm so sorry. But when some, with some strongholds, all I can offer to you is what I found is if you try to just go in and deliver that, but you don't heal that wound, then you're calling back seven of their friends. You have to heal the wound. You have to go there. I don't like it. I like the quick and easy too. I promise you. I prefer quick and easy. Just heal me and let me move on. But some of those things don't heal nearly so easily. So Jesus says, call your husband and then come back. Again, a beautiful statement. And she says, I have no husband. He says, that's nicely put. I have no husband. I'm sorry. That cracks me up. I can just see Jesus say, oh, that's a sweet way to put it. You have no husband. But actually, you've had five husbands. And the one you're with now is not even your husband. Now, personally, we're kind of in that place in our world today where, oh, don't offend and make everything nice. And, oh, don't say that because that might hurt someone's feelings. But that's pretty straightforward. Oh, that's kind of sweet, but it's not the truth. The truth is, is you have five husbands. And the man now you're with is not your husband. Do you want to know why? Do you want to begin to look at your hurts that would cause you to have five husbands? Do you want to look at what you might be missing in your life when you go after your five men and the one you're with now is not your husband? And I'm not blaming the woman before you, you know, oh, well, everybody's already blamed. What if it's him? Maybe they're all abusive. Maybe they are all abusive. But don't you want to know why do I keep picking five abusive men? Come on. Jesus never minces words, folks. He never tiptoes. He's always gentle. He's always kind. But he never tiptoes around the truth. And if you want someone to tiptoe around the truth, go find someone who will just tell you what your tickled ears want to hear. But if you really want freedom, if you really look at yourself and say, I know that I have brokenness. I want something new. I want something free. Then go to someone who will teach you, talk to you about the truth. 
I love that. He's, he says, that's nicely put. I have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. Okay, she says, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. You know, cute, right? So now she says, okay, so you do know everything about me. Yes, he does know everything about her. I'm going to skip that next part, and I'm going because I know ooh, I know we're running out of time. Uh, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at the mountain nor, he, nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews, but the time is coming, and it has in fact come when what you're called will no longer matter and what, where you go will where you worship will no longer matter. He wipes out every single wall at that point. At that point, he wipes everything out and says, you know what, it doesn't matter whether you're Samaritan, it doesn't matter where you worship, it doesn't matter what you have been doing. Right now, I am the one. Come to me. It's who, it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is looking for. Do you know what, folks? If you're not free, then you're struggling in your own truth. And your spirit is not fully connected with the Holy Spirit because there's some lies in there that keep you from being able to fully be known and to fully love Him. If you want full, abundant life, you need to start looking at that. I'm going to wrap up here because I know we're supposed to be done. The woman said, I don't know about all that. I do know that the Messiah is coming, and when he arrives, we'll get the whole story. Jesus says, I am he. You don't have to wait any longer. I'm going to jump to this place. The woman took the hint and left after the disciples came back. She says, come see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out. You know what, folks, if you get nothing from this morning, your Savior wants to know you inside and out. Inside and out. Now, the question is, is do you want to know yourself inside and out? And if you go home and you mill this around in your head and you look at it and you start to see, I got brokenness. I got things I can't stop doing. I got things that don't seem to be real. I got... And this can be very deep, deep. You know, some of the sins that we don't like looking at are sins of control. Sins, a critical spirit, you know? Now, these are the things, and I know we're done for today, but these are the things we're going to be looking at on Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night. You know, is what are the things that I struggle with? What are the things that keep me bound up? Because don't I want to know a Savior who can tell me everything I've ever done? Everything I ever have been? And I'm going to tell you, after I read that prayer of Jabez that night, I started doing the work. And I, I began to see the truth. I began to see the truth of who I am. And I live in freedom today because that was 20 years ago. My brokenness was 20 years ago. So the great thing about it is, is that God knows our future and he has everything waiting for us. Are you willing to allow him to look into the broken places of your life and not just keep saying, oh, it's okay, I'm saved, I'm good, 
but I don't really understand why I keep doing the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I want to do. That's where Jesus wants to meet us. That is healing. You know what? I don't want you to go home discouraged ever again. Well, why didn't I get my healing? Well, there must be something there. There must be some truth there I haven't found yet. And Jesus is faithful because he says, you should know the truth and the truth should set you free. So if I haven't found it yet, please, folks, keep looking. We're going to have a little bit of time. I just want to bring Heather and and Johnny and Shay up here. Um, I know we're running late, right? So uh, we'll probably have just a little bit of just a prayer before we leave. Do y'all want to do a prayer? I think we probably should just do prayer and leave. Is that good? Or should we have some time of prayer? How how do y'all feel? I'm sorry? Okay, let's have some time of ministry. Uh, This is, you already know them, but I want to officially introduce them. These are... Johnny and Heather Underwood, these are our directors for, for Shadow of His Wings Ministry, Stillwater, Oklahoma. We are pleased to have them. We are excited for them, and uh, we just so appreciate you all allowing us to come and just let God do what he's going to do this, this week. And so uh, we're going to have a little bit of time. I don't know if we can throw on a little song or two just so we don't have to play anything but if there's some you if not that's fine we don't need it we can just sit up here if you have something you'd like to pray for we'll take some time here to pray and i'm just going to pray first father i'm just going to open this up because you're good you're good this is just the beginning father you're good there's nothing that you wouldn't want to set us free from Father, so if there's somebody struggling here, I just pray, like like I said, you don't have to come up for prayer and think everyone's going to think, oh, that's the guy in the room that's got a pornography problem, or that's the woman who does this or does that. It's just freedom from anything. And so, Father, I just pray that you'd begin to, to just prick hearts, that you begin to open hearts, that you'd begin to show these your children They're places of freedom. Because freedom feels great. Freedom feels good. To come home and not feel like, oh gosh, I'm going to do it again. Whatever that is. So I just thank you, Father, for opening hearts, helping them to flow. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be up here for a little while. I'm just going to also offer to you, we have tonight at 6 and Monday night at 6 and Tuesday night at 6. Monday night is for women. Tuesday night is for men. And tonight is for anybody. So if you're th- even teens. Um, if you're thinking, wow, I'm hungry. I'm going to go have lunch. I don't really want to get prayed for right now. That's fine. You can come back tonight. Um, just know it's we're very relaxed. It's not about doing it right or knowing how to do it. It's just, okay, Lord, if you don't show up, then we don't know how you're going to do it. We can't do it without him. So we'll be up here for a little while. If you'd like prayer, you're dismissed. (laughs) 